Welcome to LinkedIn Smart, a podcast revealing secrets to success on LinkedIn. Each week, we interview one remarkable person willing to share their best strategies. So sit down, relax, and enjoy the interview. Here is our host, Vitek Ladislav. What does Australian Army officer, Japanese wedding rental businessman, and international LinkedIn coach have in common? One name, Tyron Giuliani. Tyron is a former Australian Army officer now living in Japan and being a very successful LinkedIn coach. So in today's episode of LinkedIn Smart Podcast, we are going to talk to Tyron Giuliani. So Tyron, thank you very much for being on the show. It's absolutely awesome to have you here. Yeah, my pleasure, man. I look forward to this. Tyron, uh, before we start talking about, about the nitty-gritty of things on the LinkedIn, uh, can you tell me a little bit about, uh, about you and the, about your journey on LinkedIn? Sure. So I'm obviously an Australian, but I'm based here in Tokyo, Japan. So uh, I moved here in 1998. So after being it's actually an, an army officer, so a very different life. Um, unfortunately, I got injured, um, had multiple surgeries and, and fled the country essentially and landed in Japan and uh, very quickly realized the kind of potential that was in this market. I mean, I came from Australia. This is back in 1998. There's like 20 million Australians. And in Tokyo, the population of Australia was all in one city in Tokyo. And I was just like, this is incredible. There's got to be opportunity here. I didn't speak the language. I knew no one when I arrived, but then I thought, okay, you know, those, those weakness, weaknesses can become um, strengths. And, and the first business I actually started was wedding dresses, <laughs> completely different. So from army officer to weddings and we're doing weddings. Um, and that still continues today. That went from doing one wedding a month to now, well, pre-COVID to over 420 weddings a month now here in Japan. So at the same time, um, I was working with a partner then. And, you know, it doesn't go well when both of you are trying to be the boss. Um, so I then went out again and, and started an, another business. Um, and then got a partnership at a recruitment firm. And in 2004, I discovered LinkedIn. And this was April 2004. And as soon as I saw it, obviously for the recruitment business, it was it was a, a match, right? But the way I saw people using it just you know, amazed me that everyone kind of followed the rules. You know, they had their resume and they put all this kind of data and information. And then I looked at how people were doing outreach on LinkedIn. And I was so shocked that for some reason, people would get inside LinkedIn and they would lose all their sense of communication and the natural way we communicate and then use these forced, horrible templates and sentences. And I, and I just realized like, that's, that's not how it should be done. Um, and I started to use it for that business. At uh, the same time, I started another marketing firm with another business partner, and we used it for getting clients and getting events. In fact, um, the biggest event we did we actually got um, Vice President Al Gore to come to Japan and he hosted a big um, ecological event for two days. That was all done via LinkedIn, getting these people, eventually getting to the management and then organizing it. Um, I continued to use it 
we actually started to um, improve the way we used it in our firm. And eventually 81%, 81% of our revenue came from LinkedIn, the sourcing, the client deals, everything, and all organically. And it was really primarily done through direct outreach and a number of different tactics that we use to get clients and to get candidates. And these clients, they're not schlumper clients. These are Fortune 100. We worked with six of the Fortune 10. You know, these were big clients. We all did it via um, methods. And actually we were recognized here in Japan and a company approached us um, and offered to buy the company's Optia Partners and, and they bought and took the company public in um, April of 2018. So, you know, we went from relatively unknown to then being acquired and, and become a, a, a public company, which was kind of cool to be a part of. Um, and so during that whole time, I, I started to use it for my other businesses, use it, use it to get vendors, use it to get sponsors, use it to get clients for our businesses. And then I realized after I got out of the recruitment game fully, I was in some masterminds with some other online entrepreneurs and we were trying to do something and we had to go get some clients. And I said, oh, we'll just go to LinkedIn. We'll be able to get the clients there. Blah, blah. And they're like, well, what do you mean? I said, yeah, we'll just go there and we'll do this. And I realized that the small business owners, you know, kind of maybe one to three person companies or solopreneurs, they really had no idea how to effectively use LinkedIn. You know, they had a resume. And as we know, a resume is used for getting a job. You know, that's not what you're trying to do as, a, as an entrepreneur. You're trying to get clients. So you've got the wrong tool for the job at hand. And I, I just quickly realized there was a, a large gap in, in entrepreneurs in the B2B space of how to take their offline skills and then bring it into LinkedIn. And that's what I've kind of mastered is coaching in particular. This is one of my ventures because I still have my other businesses. Um, is is getting these B2B business owners and showing them how to take that skill that they have already, but actually apply it in a way that's systemized in a process um, and one that they can follow. So when they get into LinkedIn, they're not thinking like, oh, what do I do next? Where do I go next? And it's not just relying on, you know, a post and hoping it go viral and spend a year doing that before. It's like going out and doing some hardcore B2B you know, and that's belly to belly. Right. Um, and it can be done without looking spammy and sousy because none of my clients want to go out there looking sousy and spammy, right? They want to be able to engage and, and be received well. So I saw a great opportunity there and that's just kind of, you know, really solidified over the last three years and, and it's been working great to, to get business owners coming. And now I've got 65 different industries represented, multiple people in each across six different continents and just see it working. And it's really just the application of the, the way that we naturally engage people, but bringing it online and, and avoiding the, the kind of cliched outreach that we see in the methodologies that people use and, you know, mixing it with a bit of social. And, and that's why I also called it, you know, selling made social. Right. Um, and it's been, you know, it's been just tremendous to watch these business owners be able to actually finally get clients off the platform and not just sit there um, hoping people come to them. So it's been a long journey to get here, but it's, it's been a case of everything I coach and everything that I do has come from real world experience of growing businesses. I mean, my, my wedding dress business, you know, that's a multi eight figure business and our vendors and our suppliers, you know, I found them on LinkedIn. I've got an event space 
um, that I, I do like K-pop stuff. Again, we use LinkedIn, the recruitment business. All our clients came from that. So, you know, everything I look at is, is really real world application. I'm not a marketer. I never have been a marketer, but I'm good at business development. I'm good at finding these people, getting into a discussion in the inbox and doing it in a way where people just feel like, yeah, this, I got to know more about this. That's my approach to the, the platform. It's absolutely fantastic journey from an army officer, you know, escaping from Australia, you know, settling yeah. down in Japan and building <laughs> multiple businesses and now basically, you know, helping uh, business owners to figure out how to use LinkedIn in their businesses, which is awesome things to do. We definitely get into, into nitty gritty of that. Just I wanted to ask you, how did that came about that you thought, oh, this is actually a good thing to do, start helping people to figure out how to do things on LinkedIn? Right. So... Um, you know, the, the previous business where I was a partner um, at Opti, when we went public, um, the, the, we were going public in April of 2018. Um, towards the end of 2017, so we'd already done time in the company after we'd been purchased, uh, you know, it was, it was coming to an end for me. I'd been 14 years in the firm and, you know, it was, it, it was done. You know, we'd been successful and I, I really wanted to transform and go into another group of businesses that was online related. I wanted to do my attraction, conversion, and fulfillment all online. You know, I've already got these offline businesses and they always drag me back, but I really wanted to create something that I could deliver online. So right at the end of 2017, I thought, okay, that's when I started thinking about, you know, what kind of online stuff that I, I, I could do. And, um, so then when I went into that mastermind, I was, uh, and we were, we were looking at online businesses and creating, and everyone was a kind of a business owner offline and we're having the same kind of um, transformation. I, I was trying to think of the stuff that I liked about all the businesses that I've helped create, all the business that I've partnered in. The one element that I really love the most and really got me motivated was giving my opinion. <laughs> was was getting asked like hey ty i've got this problem how do i fix that how do i do it and you know we used to have a joke in, inside the company i'd say oh he's ty's two cents because i couldn't you know i couldn't help if i saw something i, I gotta you know step in and say hey you know i'm thinking this is, is a good option but i always got it every all my roles i've always been that that person you know and i'm not I'm not going to be humble here at all. I've been that person that was able to see those problems and be able to come up with a solution and kind of go through it. And I just, I really love that element of the leadership positions that I've played in my business. I just love it. And then I thought, well, if I can get paid for doing that, that's even better. Like I love doing it and to actually then see that it actually had worth because you know, when you're in the offline world, you, and it's your business, you, you do that as a part of your business, right? It's like, that's what you do to, to bring everyone up to a certain level. Uh, but then I realized, you know, consulting that that value, that 16 years on the platform, um, 20 years as an entrepreneur, you know, stupidly, wow, that's worth something to other people, right? And, you know, I just decided, well, look, if I want to do one part online, if I want to do a business, then I think information is is the best and and giving advice, you know, and I, I pitch at a certain level. Most of my clients, they're probably not exceeding five to 10 million in revenue. So it's not, you know, I don't go after, you know, massively mid-size or enterprise level, 
Um, I train people that are, you know, running their own kind of businesses. Yes. You know, my consulting clients or, or my franchise clients, they're, they're, you know, nine figures, but on an individual basis, it's a group of people. So, you know, I pitch it very specifically at a group of people that, you know, I've been there, I've done that. So, you know, everything I coach is, I don't coach every element of LinkedIn and, and I don't do every part of it brilliantly, but I do the stuff that gets me to revenue events and I do the stuff that gets my clients to revenue events. And that's what they want in the end. They want revenue events. They don't just want likes and, and hearts and comments. They want revenue. So yeah, during that, that mastermind, I really realized I, I truly love the mentorship part of it. And, um, you know, with my coaching, it's, it's grown and, you know, we'll do multi seven figures, but I still very much coach. You know, I know there's some other coaches out there that have grown their business and now they step back, they have account managed, they have all that, like, well, you're not a coach anymore. You're, you're just a business and that's fine. But I love the coaching part. You know, I do the weekly Q and A's. I'm, I'm involved with that because that's the part that I love about this business. And it allows me to do it from anywhere. You know, once this COVID is over again, um, I do a lot of traveling. Um, so it's great. You know, I can just pull out my um, you know computer and get on and, and, and do that. So yeah, it's, it's really playing to my strength. I really enjoy that part of it. And then, you know, to, to be paid for it is just, is awesome. And, you know, I get paid well for it, but it's, you know, a bit of advice to a B2B client that can mean six, seven figures for them. Mm. Right. So, you know, it's, it's a, it's a small kind of investment for potentially large returns and in, in certainly in the B2B space. Ty, I wanted to ask you one thing. Do you remember your first client? My first client in LinkedIn. coaching? Yes. Yeah, I remember. I, I, I do actually, because it's really funny. I was telling my wife about, I'm going to do some of this, this coaching stuff. And, you know, because she runs a business as well. She's, she's very successful. And she's not on LinkedIn. She just doesn't use it. And she, we've got some real estate company and she was also with the wedding business as well. But, you know, I was explaining to her about LinkedIn. She's like, oh, okay, so what, what are you going to do? I said, well, I'm going to help people do their client acquisition. And she said, who's going to pay for that? I'm like, well, tonight I've got two calls. I had I literally had two calls. And that night I signed up two clients and it was, you know, 12,000 bucks or whatever it was, 13,000 bucks for the two clients. And the next morning, you know, because I did the calls at like 10 o'clock at night, the next morning wife wakes up and says, oh yeah, I sold two coaching, made 14,000 or 12,000 bucks or whatever it was last night. She's like, oh, okay, it works. And the first two, yeah, one of them is very active with me still, you know, three odd years later. He does um, like telco solutions, VoIP and big, you know, big services for mid-sized businesses. And the other um, has shifted and pivoted into helping kind of women transition from corporate world to entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. So both of them were kind of, they started at the same, on the same day. They were the first two clients ever. And I also remember my first ever wedding dress client as well. And that, that was back in like 2001. And um, so the first you do remember, and I, I do remember that because I didn't have, uh, we didn't invest, we didn't have a, a showroom or anything. And I had ordered these dresses. I got these dresses made in, in, in Korea back then. And I had them shipped to Japan and my partner made a website using front page, IBM front page. This is, you know, 2001. So old school, she's like, duh, 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 made it. We got a customer somehow because we put it on the internet. Didn't even know what we were doing. Okay. And, um, we, they called us and we're like, oh, we've got to do this showing. How are we going to do this? 
And my partner said, well, we can use my grandma's house. She's got a spare room, beautiful Japanese style room, tatami mats, and we'll put the dresses up. So that customer actually came to a residential house and came in and I was in the, in the um, I remember I was in the staircase in the stairwell kind of hiding there. And my partner did the like, hey, come in and here's the dresses we can select from. And they rented from us, you know, 97% of the Japan wedding business is rental business. So um, they rented from it and it was like, yeah, our first ever customer. So it's, it's funny. You do remember your firsts. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm actually surprised that your wife is not using LinkedIn. I mean, isn't that heresy inside your family? <laughs> yeah. I mean, she, it's funny. I was just looking at her account two days ago and there's nothing. She, I think she's got 14 connections and they're all people that I know. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is the thing in Japan, LinkedIn really kind of made a mess of their entry into this market. It's probably one of their worst executions of, of entry that I've seen anywhere. Uh, you've got 126 million Japanese people, around 2 million have accounts mm. and about less than a million are, are active. You know, a workforce that is a third the size of the US, well, you look at the US, they've got 135 million people registered on LinkedIn, right? It's, they've got 85% penetration. Here in Japan, it's just not. They, they, they're just not active on it because they came in and they, it kind of was seen as a, uh, if you're going on LinkedIn, you're changing your jobs. And if you do that publicly in Japan, that's like, oh my gosh, you can't do that. So they're very wary about going onto LinkedIn and being seen by their boss that they're on LinkedIn. So that they've had a massively difficult time mm -hmm. of, of getting it, you know, even where it is now. And it's been, you know, as I said, I was using it here from April, 2004, but yeah, it just it it's really not a great business tool in the Japan market yet because they, they they kind of messed up the way they they should have and they still should pivot and really go to like this is a networking this is more networking B two B marketplace world environment where you can have access to global markets but still was seen as oh you go there you're looking for a job if my boss sees me I'm fired. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Are there any other specifics of, uh, of a Japanese uh, LinkedIn users, um, which you, you wouldn't see necessarily in some other countries? Well, I mean, the, the way that they post is, is very unique. Well, not very unique, but in Japan, it's not common to kind of stand out public and give your opinion. That could be polarizing. Very few people do that. And um, it takes a very, very strong, very confident Japanese person to, to do that. So you, you rarely ever see that on LinkedIn, people kind of drawing a line in the sand and say, this is the way I see it. And, and like, hey, whatever. So that doesn't happen. Also in the company aspect, you know, you, you will see in the US where you've got, maybe you've got the president on, you've got directors, you've got their staff, everyone's kind of on it and posting. But if there's a boss on LinkedIn, you rarely see underlings posting stuff because they're like, oh, my boss is here. They're very, very worried about, you know, having their opinion questioned or, or being, you know, just seen as participating. And also the fact that it's during the day, like, what are you doing on social media during the day? You should be working. Um, so there's a lot of angst about that as well. They don't get it. They, they don't see it. The employee branding, it's, 
it's very, very um, behind, I guess, some of the other markets. I mean, they're slowly trying to build that, but they don't grasp the idea of that social media. You know, one of the interesting things in, in Japan, and I think this may have an effect of it as well, is businesses you know, defamation laws and things like that are very different, right? So if, if I'm in the States and I get a really bad experience from a provider and it's, and it's horrible and they did really bad stuff, negligent, and I put that on social media, you know, uh, and I sue that person and, and whatever happens, like if that's the truth, like you'll, you'll probably win. However, in Japan, if you go, if you have a bad experience, even if it's a restaurant or a dentist or something, and you put that on social media and you say, I had this experience, it sucked, you know, be careful, you get sued. You can't give your opinion because even if it is correct and right and legal in Japan, if you say something in public that, that has detrimental effect to a business, you're breaking the law. Mm. You can go to jail for it. So that's why any kind of negative comments are always anonymous. They've always, you know, done it through VPN, you know, they've masked it. If you're public, so therefore, you know, it just, I think it goes right through now online that people play it very safe and people don't put their opinion and people don't put those kind of confidential information or, or controversial information. They, they keep it very safe in Japan mm. and, and we see that online. So, you know, Japan, the, the side of LinkedIn, it's kind of boring. <laughs> it's kind of boring to be frank. So it's very interesting. It's very interesting that the man who loves to give his opinion, you, is living in Japan and working on LinkedIn or doing on LinkedIn because, um, well, that's uh, probably not the easiest platform to to put your opinion on, as I as I understand, right? Sure. But this is the thing. Like I deliberately, when I moved into this coaching business, one of the things is I I didn't actually want to have um, Japanese clients. Um, not, you know, I love, I'm married to one. I have, you know, my, my kids are biracial and everything. It's just that their style of business, um, and, and being in Tokyo, it's, it doesn't match well in the sense that they're very much about, you know, relationship, which is great, but it also means being there physically. Like you would get called up to go have a meeting with them. You would go to an office, you'd, you'd travel for 30, 40 minutes, you'd go there you would meet, they would ask one question and then like, oh, thank you. And then that was finished. And then you're like, okay, that could have been done on the phone or that could have been done on the email. But they're very, it's very intense, very resource intense. And, you know, I didn't want to bring kind of offline restrictions into my online business. And that's what would occur. And, so, and because I saw it happen in, in my other businesses, because they'll say, oh, can we just meet then? Like, well, can't we just, do this um, so I've deliberately I've got some Japan based clients but they're actually foreigners 95% of my clients would probably be you know American based or well, 90% would be American based the rest of Europeans and, and other parts of Asia but yeah I just it, it was a conscious decision not to go after Japanese clients just because it's it's really labor intensive you have to be ready for them you know they are you know they demand um, the highest and higher standards and service this is the culture you know, you've, you have to over deliver over, um, you know, whatever promise you make, you must over deliver on that. Mm -hmm. You know, we say about being punctual. Well, 10 minutes early is on time in Japan. Five minutes early is late, <laughs> you know, and apologizing for something, um, not the right way. You lose your business, you know, 
sorry goes a long way in this market. So it's, it's just so many nuances and, you know, being able to do a business fully where it was online just me, allowed me to then target a market that was just uh, still demanding, but not as demanding as, as you know, dealing with a, a Japan, um, Japan-based business. They're, they're very demanding. You've got to be ready for it. Mm-hmm. And you know, my, our wedding business is all Japan-based. You know, we're on our toes all the time because you've got to deliver excellence. There, there's very small room for um, delivering a subpar product or service in Japan. You, you'll get, once you burn them, it's, you're done. If you like to turn your LinkedIn into a lead generating tool, you should consider to enroll in our LinkedIn business audit session. This 45 minute strategic call will give you answers you're looking for. We will show you a step-by-step strategy of what you need to do on LinkedIn in order to start generating business and land clients from your LinkedIn activities. Interested? Send your request to marketing at squaremotion.me or click on the link in the show notes of this podcast. Thank you. Tyron, you're talking about uh, your clients and uh, that the majority of them, they're US-based, some of them Europeans and some other nationalities. Can you tell us a little bit more about how do you work? I, I know that you have a very, very unique skill set, uh, how you work with the, with the clients on, on LinkedIn. Can you just elaborate a little bit on that? You know, mm-hmm. how do you work with your clients on LinkedIn? Right. I mean, my approach has always been, you've got to see your LinkedIn as a sales funnel right as a as a sales process and every part of that funnel is designed to make the next part convert meaning it's a pipeline right and if there's a hole in any part of a pipe it's just useless so a lot of people come to me oh listen i think my linkedin's fine i just need to learn your messaging technique i just have to learn that part well that's not the reason you're not successful you're not getting or you're not getting clients or converting it probably goes back to a right at the very start that you don't know really who your audience is and you haven't identified that. And then that goes to your profile. Your profile isn't talking to them. And then that affects your messaging and outreach and conversion. So it's all those three things before your message that's destroying your conversion. So I I see all elements of the funnel all working in sync and all have to be taken care of. And I kind of break it down into really seven key kind of modules when when I look at a sales funnel. And this also allows my clients that, you know, when you're having success with the funnel or any process that you do, sometimes as humans, we do stupid things. Normally we turn left every day. And then for some reason we turn right one day, like we're driving home, I'm going to go this way. And then you get lost and like, why did I do that? Well, that happens in business all the time. You're doing kind of sales or you're, you're doing tasks. What people tend to do, they throw out the whole system. Well, when you have a process, you're able to diagnose as well and, and go through each part. And I have kind of seven key parts and we're able to look at each part and say, oh, well, I stopped doing part three, you know, section A. That's why it's, it's not working anymore. So let me just tweak that. Okay, we're back to normal. So that's how I approach it. I break it into seven really key learning and action modules. And what I do with the client each week, we build a part of that funnel. We rebuild what they have and we build a part of it. And, um, you know, I, I give them specific tasks and they build it. They send the work to me. I fix it, edit it, correct it, give them my opinion, give them my coaching. Um, once a week as well, we have a group Q and a for, for the um, members, you know, 
all these members, they tend to have successful businesses off LinkedIn. Now they're trying to, to bring it in. So, you know, it's not a bunch of kind of, you know, entrepreneurs, everyone in there is a, is a business owner. So there's really good, um, you know, communication going on and they, they go for two to three hours each time. Um, and then we just move on. We stack it each week. We build a part, get them using it, executing. Then we move on to the next part. You know, so the first couple of weeks, we're reframing and repositioning and, and getting rid of the resume and changing their page into that client-facing promotional page. You know, I, I like to build like a mini website inside LinkedIn with my clients. Then we're doing the messaging. And literally when we're at the messaging, I'll be telling them, let's, let's have a look at your inbox. Let's have a look at your flow. You know, let's look at, are your transitions right? Are you, you know, asking the right question at the right place? And there's a framework for that. So it's really about, I systemize, you know, I can't remember who said, maybe Einstein or someone, I can't remember exactly who, um, that, you know, if you can't, if you can't describe your, um, your actions in a process, then you, you don't know what you're doing. And I think every part of the funnel can be made into a process. And that's what I coach is that here's a process, just execute it. So every week we build on. So by the end of that 49 days, seven weeks, they have a funnel in place and they're using every part of it from the very start, their profile, their nurturing, their content, their engagement, and most importantly, their direct outreach. And they're doing it in front of me. So um, a lot of my clients will get clients during the coaching because it's all practical. I'm not teaching them theory and just at the end, like, okay, now go build it. I'm very much there swimming away. I'm walking on the side of the pool, tapping them on the head, like, hey, this way, that way, and, and get it right. So that's my style. It's a combination of a bit of done with them. It's, you know, do it yourself. Um, it's, it's daily access directly to me to make sure that, you know, they are on the right path. You, I don't think you should just leave a person to just go and do it um, and not check in and not have accountability because, you know, if they do that for two weeks or three weeks, that's a large chunk of time. They do that twice or three times in a year of, of running a process. Well, that's two or three months gone. That's a quarter. Hmm. You know, they can lose a quarter of business and you do that a couple of times over two or three years. You're losing business, so I believe you know they get that daily like check in, and they and and it, and it just keeps them on path. So we kind of move pretty quick, and that's when the army in me, you know, the army method of 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 training, I I deploy the same method. You know, we would take a complex task, they would you know break it down into elements, and you'd get drilled on the first piece, and drilled and drilled and drilled. Then you get taught the second piece, drilled, drilled, drilled. By the end of the task, you could do complex stuff. And it was just one part at a time. And that's how I approach um, my coaching as well, as we take the whole part, break it down, drill each part, execute it in real time, real life, you know, and, and the goal is to get them into discussions with real prospects every day um, to build their authority um, and then to drive inbound um, after a number of months of, of them doing engagement activities and nurture activities um, and content activities. And, you know, some people are better at, um, you know, different parts of the funnel. The, the best clients I have, they've got all, all parts really mastered and they can do it really well. Um, but even if you do it okay, if you've got multiple parts and you, you're strong in a couple, you're still going to be successful. Mm -hmm. It's just that consistency of application constant and I always tell you know my clients it's like everyday consistency that's going to win out for them if that's their main channel of client acquisition then they should be in there doing it 
um, but also being very focused. You know, we put it in workflow process, just like a pilot with a checklist. You know, they don't just get in a plane and turn the engine on and fly off. They go through a checklist so there's no fiery crash at the end. And same with my clients. Every time they turn on LinkedIn, they should have their outcome in mind. They should know exactly what they're going to be doing for that hour block, execute and get off. Mm -hmm. uh, because nothing's worse than sitting there reading articles about, Steve Jobs turtleneck sweaters, you know, okay. Yeah. He was efficient, big deal. Like you didn't need to read that. Um, you're in there to get clients. You're in there to share and give information to have impact, like get in there and get out. Yeah. So Tyron, uh, you're talking about spending time on, on LinkedIn and not actually using the time and leveraging the time on LinkedIn rather than wasting time on LinkedIn. Right. I understand that you are also a big believer in certain part of automated processes on LinkedIn, even though it's always a bit of questionable. And I know these hardcore LinkedIn trainers and coaches that would, you know, they would say, well, no automation whatsoever. Uh, what's your take on this? Well, I mean, the terms of service of LinkedIn are pretty clear. You know, they say, you know, no automation, you know, um, that's what they say. There's also issues about, you know, taking data off LinkedIn. They, they, they lost a lawsuit um, uh, last month or the month before it'll be challenged by them. But, you know, regarding that issue, they, they cut an API of one of the, um, some app and destroyed their business overnight. And it's been, the judge ruled in favor or against LinkedIn saying, no, that's not right. You can't do that. Your data should be, you know, some complex stuff. So I think everything can always be tested in a court of law. I think, um, I think it's natural for people in business to look at processes and, or proceed, whatever you want to call it processes, and then automate the parts it's transactional. You know, LinkedIn's got these really weird rules where even they say you can only connect with people that you know. Then they talk about diversity and diversity hiring. And they, you know, the, the CEO gave a big speech um, last year where we want to give access to jobs to the world and, and give everyone, someone in Bangladesh can do something in New York. Well, how are you going to contact that person in Bangladesh if you don't know them? You're breaking the terms of service of LinkedIn. And so there's always these conflicting messages and they, they give you these tools inside Sales Navigator. Um, they that you can connect with second and third degree people and you can, so it's like there's mixed messages coming out of them themselves of what you should do and how you should do it. That goes against their own terms of service. What I believe is looking at your process. I think that stuff that is transactional, i.e. sending a connection note. If there's a group of, if there's a group of, prospects that that you've done a search for and you've used advanced search techniques and you've got it down to 40 or 50 people that meet you know 10 criteria that you've put together like why spend an hour going through that group that's just ridiculous you do that every day over a year you've wasted 20 business days 28 hour days of just doing a transactional thing that can be done in automation like, like that's realistic over three years, you've wasted three full months of eight hour days, just sending a connection request. So those kind of things I think are, are ridiculous to say, well, you shouldn't automate that. Mm -hmm. There's ways where you can, you can do it. So you're not, you know, you're not going to be seen as automation. So I look at stuff that can, all the automation that I would use or recommend it's transactional activities. And it's activities to give me more time in the message, in the inbox. 
and more time or more time for my clients on the engagement phase of, of the funnel. I want to have as much time as possible to be speaking in real discussion. So I don't use automation for messages. I don't, I never have, I never will. I don't do these drip fed message sequences. They convert very, very poorly. Um, but I will automate other certain tasks on the platform to give me more time in the inbox because that's where the magic happens. It's real discussions with real people daily. You know, that's what I'm about. And I will automate tasks that allow me to get that happening in real time. Um, and you know, I, I don't have a problem with it. And I think if you do it, if you use automation kind of wisely for those kind of transactional tasks, and it's not some like, I'm going to reach out to a thousand people one hit, and then I'm going to strip their emails and put them in a email blaster and then no, that stuff's just, right. you know, growth hackers. Okay. If they like it, sure. They play the numbers game. Um, I use it for very specific kind of tasks and it's kind of low key, but it will save me 20 days a year right. of activity, which, you know, it just makes sense. Yeah. And um, uh, you're talking about, you're talking a lot about messaging, direct messaging and how that uh, can be applied in a proper way. Uh, can you just a uh, little bit um, elaborate on this? I know that this is something very unique for you and um, you will probably not disclose everything because it's for your paid clients and that's perfectly okay. But can sure. you just tell a little bit, a little bit more about what, what is your, your technique and, and the method? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, uh, f since April, 2004, since using the platform, what I've noticed is the messaging from other people to me and to my colleagues hasn't changed. <laughs> it's been the same horrible messaging. Um, and what I've done is I've created a message syntax, a message flow that emulates as close as possible to real life and, and systemize it. Because when you look at the anatomy of a conversation, conversations happen a certain way when we meet someone that happens with you know, person A, question, next person, answer, question, next person, answer, then they give an anecdotal story, then the next person gives an opinion on that, then there's question, and then there's another anecdote. That's generally the flow when you meet someone the first time. For some reason, and that's what we're used to as humans, I'm 46 years old, for 46 years, that's how I communicate with people. And for some reason, when people get into LinkedIn, they totally abandon the natural way we communicate and they just lose it and do what I call the value vomit where they come in because they've been told by marketers, give value, give value first before you take, give value. And the message has been kind of lost because what it means is people come into LinkedIn and they say this, this is the message. Instead of doing question, answer, question, anecdote, opinion, they come in and they do anecdote, opinion, question, call to action in one message. They just come in and vomit. They just come and say, hi, it'd be like this. And I, I equate it to this. If I'm at a networking event and I see someone, I walk up to them, I'm looking at them I'm, and I'm processing the data that I'm seeing about them. And then I'm going to ask an irresistible question that they can't help answer. Right. That's what I'm looking for. And I do that the same thing. I'm looking for data and I'm going to ask these kind of questions. I use imagery. There's a few different techniques that we use, but it, it's irresistible. People can't help but answer the question. That's what we want to do because 90% of deals die on LinkedIn because the first question is never answered. That first message is never answered because what people do 
do is they do this. They walk up to someone and imagine this is me in real life. If I did this in real life, how awkward would it be? be Hi, I'm Ty. I'm the LinkedIn guy. I'm based in Tokyo, Japan. I've been here 22 years and I help business owners get clients off LinkedIn. Here's my schedule. Would you like to book a time? And by the way, here's a download of my famous ebook that's 10,000 people have downloaded. Would you like to also see a video? That's what people do. And they say, well, but I'm giving value. Well, it's not value to anyone. If you don't know what their true problem is, where they are in their journey of their business, then all you're doing is a value vomit. You're going in there and you're unloading in their inbox and you're saying, clean it up. Not only that, you know, one of the key principles of influence, right, is reciprocity right? We, we all, we've all had it. We've been in offices and your mate buys you a coffee. The next day you feel like, well, I'm going to go buy him a coffee. Well, this idea of, well, you know, give them stuff, give them an ebook, give them a video to watch, give them a, a download because it encourages them to give back or whatever. No, it doesn't. It's forced reciprocity. And it's the worst. I find it just the worst because I've got two options. I accept it. And then I feel, I feel bad about it. Like, ah, oh, like he's done all this stuff and I feel bad about it. And then I'm thinking like, I've got to take action now. Like that's just the thing to do. And it, it's just horrible. So what do people do? They just ignore it. Hmm. Like why bother participating then? Why, why enter that relationship? You know, it's, it's horrible. So forced reciprocity sucks. And not only that, uh, but also asking kind of complex questions. And I, I've seen some trainers because I've been at the other end of, you know, for a few months, uh, someone must have been teaching something new and I got the same thing. They were asking these questions that were asking me these, you know, it was a complex answer. And that's the worst thing to do. It's like walking up to a net in a networking event again saying, hi, I'm Tone. So what would be the three things that would save the global economy? <laughs> like no one's going to answer that. And on LinkedIn, it's the same. You're forcing the person, either they have to invest a lot of time in this conversation and answer it with a lot of time so they don't look stupid or you force them to answer abruptly where they look stupid or the third option is well i'm going to ignore that because that's too difficult to answer so like why why do people do this on linkedin the third thing that i really hate is when people message me they do these drip fed messages i ignore the first one so i get the next one two days later or three days later according to the schedule that they've been taught and they've given me more information. Now they're yelling at me though. Like you didn't answer the first one. So here's some more value, more value, more. And then you don't answer that three days later. Another scream in the inbox. Here's some more downloads and here's a PDF. It's like, aren't you getting it? You're not getting it. Like you're getting ignored for a reason. So, you know, that's another thing you've got to avoid. And, and that's what I, I, those kind of main processes, I totally, you know, avoid with my clients and we emulate real life and we do it. It's never the timing. I found this, it's not the timing. It's how you're using the time in the inbox. Mm -hmm. Because what that drip fed message stuff is teaching you is, it's like me going in a networking event, walking up and say, hi, I'm Ty, the LinkedIn guy walk away, come back an hour later. And I help businesses with, you know, getting client acquisition on LinkedIn and then come back an hour later. And like, we don't, that's not how we communicate. We just don't. So, you know, one of the easiest things for me to say for clients is use this filter with what you know of the person and what your relationship is with that person. If you wouldn't say it to them in real life, 
don't say it in LinkedIn. That's a, that can save so much trouble of looking salesy and spammy just by applying that one filter. Mm. Yeah. If you wouldn't say it in real life, don't say it in LinkedIn. Yeah, that's uh, that's fantastic, fantastic thing, and I, I love it. I actually I watched one of your webinar, um, you, you know, uh, a month ago. I, um, it was yeah, a few weeks ago, and um, I, I like that actually. About um, I like your pink man, um, yeah, the pink, pink man, man, yeah, pink suited man in in the networking, and and this was uh, a big big thing for me as well. Um, if you wouldn't say it in real life, don't say it on, on LinkedIn. That's uh, that's really, really good. Ty, we were talking a lot about LinkedIn, about, about the platform, about how you work with the client. But, uh, you know, I would like to also know, are there, are there any specific features on LinkedIn which you like and which you also don't like that much? Yeah. So the thing I hate the most, and this can be resolved with using a CRM like Pipedrive, for example, I hate the fact that sales, I use sales navigator, sales navigator and linkedin.com. I hate the fact that they're siloed in the sense that you have an inbox for linkedin.com and an inbox for LinkedIn sales navigator and the two shall never meet. I mean, that just ridiculous. I've lost deals because of that. Um, I've missed out on opportunities and messages because you're not checking and it's their inbox as much as I love the fact that now it's real time. And this is the other thing we should be viewing the inbox as, as instant messaging, not direct email. We should be seeing it as instant messaging. So when you take that psyche as well, that changes things a lot when you view it as an instant messenger. And that's how I view it. Um, but yeah, that's the feature I hate the most. I hate it, LinkedIn. Um, and it's obvious why they do it because they want you to have a premium account. And if you lose a premium account, you lose and you stop paying them, you lose all that email. So it's a little bit in their favor to do that. But as a workflow process, as a sales tool, that's horrible. You know, to lose deals like you'll scroll through and then you see a message from three months and the person's like, I want to buy it. And you're like, oh my God. I ignored this guy. And then you run up now. Oh, sorry. We went with this other person. Like, Oh no, LinkedIn. So I hate that. The other thing I hate, I'll just one, one more thing that I hate in advanced filters in LinkedIn sales navigator, you've got all these great filters that you can, you know, select criteria. And in a couple of them, you will have, um, you can have like company name. You can write the company and you can choose current or past or current, not past or, I think there's a fourth one, which is great because you can, if you're looking for certain people, for some reason, the company headcount yeah. does not have that feature. You, and what it means then, if people say, well, I want to find people with 11 to 50, 11 to um, you know, 50 members. Well, it's actually going through their whole entire profile and anyone that was in a previous company, 11 to 50, you're going to come up in the search result. Why don't, they have it current. That would, for, for people that are doing prospecting, that feature would be just, that's gold, gold mine. So, you know, I don't know why they don't have that. So I hate that. Things I love. One, I love the spotlights across the sales navigator search bar. 
the you know active in 30 days those people are gold because 41 percent of those people come on every day according to linkedin stats so you know you can avoid the the total result and you can really focus on those low hanging fruit those people that are active and participating they're more conducive to accepting connection requests they're more conducive to answering messages to doing business to buying offline everything about them makes the perfect kind of person to go after and i would spend 95 percent of my time on those people you know not just the general people so whatever search and criteria i do i always then just attack the active people first so i like that and i really love when you have a really great engagement list and strategy put together that if you stay on sales navigator on the home page the news feed is 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 fantastic when it works it's not working properly right now on chrome and a few others but in particular if you make a um if you make an engagement list of micro influences that you're following and there's you know, certain tactics for that. But in general, if you've got a list, you know, you can save these people as leads and then you can filter just for the lead shares. And so, you know, you're not going to get distracted. All you're seeing are the people that you are interested in for whatever reasons. And you're only seeing what they are posting and it allows you when it works properly to view it and now comment all on that page before you have to go in and, it's not working on Chrome at the moment, by the way. It's working on Safari and it's not working on Opera, which is, um, or Oprah, whatever they call it. Um, it's not working well there. And um, LinkedIn's aware of this, but they keep on denying it, but it's, it's the case. But that one feature of lead shares and just seeing that, that is gold there because if you, if you look at the tactics or the strategies that make you money, engagement on those kind of people, you know, that drives traffic. It drives their audience to look at you when you've got a profile that looks amazing, that looks like a website, not a resume, then it sparks intrigue and curiosity. And then someone sends you a connection request. Then they get hit with a message syntax that no one's done to them before. They're like, man, every contact with this person, I'm having an experience. It's different to everyone else. And that's what, again, that's what helps the funnel keep on working properly. So those two features, yeah, I really, I love the spotlight and the lead shares is just awesome. You've been on LinkedIn for a very, very long time and I'm pretty sure you've made your share of mistakes. Um, and I wanted to ask you, is there anything, any, any mistake which stands out? Kind of maybe, maybe some, uh, some funny experience, which, um, is there anything we, would, you, would you highlight in this? You know, I think it's really just been in the last two or three, or maybe three years, three, four years, where we've seen a lot of marketers come onto LinkedIn. And that's really changed the dynamic of the platform and the personal branding side of things. I wish I had started really thinking about the personal brand and really, you know, honing and sharpening the content blade, the writing, the copywriting. You know, the fact is, I've made millions off LinkedIn, our firm, we did, you know, multiple eight figures off LinkedIn, but it was in the inbox. It was our direct outreach string. And I've always kind of relied on that. So I wish I had spent the same amount of time or even half the amount of time on really perfecting, you know, telling those stories that really resonate. And some of my clients, you know, I know when I see him, I know him. I'm like that, that's a winner. This person's gonna, that's gonna go well. I have trouble writing that kind of creativity because I, I'm very good at that kind of logical outreach and the business communication and wrapping it up with some humor. But that's probably my, my weakest point because I also, I also find the most non-predictable element of LinkedIn. 
And this is why I see these lot of video coaches and content coaches. And we've seen like Shay Redmond, you know, become just blow up. And yes, but the fact is most will never get like that. And most can't produce good content. And to say, well, put a post up and you're going to go viral in, in a year of doing that. It's like, I ain't got a year to waste here. I've got to get into conversations and I don't want to do it spammy and salesy. And it's unpredictable. No one can tell me. Well, you know, I don't want to say no one, but I, I'm assuming no one can say to me, if I do a post today, I'm going to get a client from it. Or I'm going to get 15 people coming to me and asking me about my services. But I damn well know if I send out 50 connection notes to business owners like in Australia, I'm going to get connected to about 67% of them. Hmm. Now that 67%, around 55 to 62% will actually respond to my message. And from that, I know I can get X amount of appointments and close X amount of deals. Hmm. That's predictability. Yeah, but if I'm just doing the post, I don't know, sometimes it hits, sometimes it gets nothing. And I think it's awesome. I'm like, well, that no one thought that was awesome. Um, so I, I wish I had spent more time. In, and that's something I'm trying to correct now. You know, as I said, I'm, I don't use every element of LinkedIn um, myself. You know, I coach those parts on it because I can see that those who are experts at it and can direct my people like, hey, learn from this. This is a good one. This is an example of what works. Um, but that's, that's probably the area I'm most... Um, yeah, disappointed that I, I probably should have put more time in it, but I just found that revenue events were generated from me getting because, and the reality is, the big secret I have um, quite a number of, and you know, people when they say, Oh, people reach out to me, it's true. I've had a number of content creators and video creators, and they've all reached out and said, Oh, yeah, I'm getting all these likes and comments, but I, I just haven't generated clients, it's not predictable. Mm. Like, well, it's not, this is not field of dreams. If you build it, they will come. It doesn't work like that. You know, B2B as well. You've got to go out and find, if you've got a complex service or product to sell, you've got to go out and you've got to matrix your relationships. You have to approach a company a certain way. You've got to talk to certain people in the right order. You know, it's, this is where I see marketers kind of fail on LinkedIn because I just think social media means likes and comments. Mm. However, when you do an approach to a company, if you've never done a B2B complex sale, it's a bit more than getting a like and a comment on your, on your post, right? You've, you've got to be a little bit more sensible about it. So, you know, that, and that's where I, my strengths really lay because I've done it. I've closed, you know, six of the fortune 10 in my life. I've got 67 fortune 200s as clients in the past. I know how to get clients, you know, and, and that's what clients, you know, want to pay me for. Tyrone, I think we could spend hours and hours talking about LinkedIn on and on. Uh, I think our time is uh, slowly, slowly finishing now. And um, before we go, I would like to ask you if there is any, any last message, last tip which you would give um, to, to our audience. Yeah, I, I think it's, you know, really start to see the platform as ever changing. One constant about LinkedIn, it's always changing. And don't try to hold on to the past. You know, the the tide of LinkedIn has changed. You know, you've got to be now more personal, more vulnerable, putting information out there. And it really has come to a place where the more personal you are, the more that they see of you, the more chance you have of converting. So, you know, as much as I've had to drag myself into that, that's just the reality. You, you've got to participate there because that social proof helps convert. But having said that, if you don't have a predictable and scalable outreach process, you are leaving money on the table. Absolutely 
you are leaving money on the table. If you've got a five thousand to twelve thousand dollar service, if it's a you know not not such a high end, but you know decent size, you're probably leaving three four hundred thousand dollars on the table every year by not doing. It, if not if not more. If you've got a company, you've got ten guys doing it. Well, add it up. There's three million bucks that you've kind of left on the table. And if it's because of fear, um, and it's because of your positioning then you've got to fix it. You've got to get very clear on your message, very clear on who you serve, why you serve, the social proof elements, and then work out a way where you can reach out to people, not come across as spammy in sales, and emulate real life as much as possible, the anatomy of a conversation, and, and have everyone learn that process. Because then when you have it learned, you can improve it, and you can get better and better and better at delivering it. Because conversations happen the same way over and over again. And when you're dealing with the same kind of prospect, you get the same objections, you get the same myths, you get the same stories. So if you can pre-address them when you do your outreach, you know, that's when the money starts flowing in. Awesome. So um, yeah, do the outreach and, and don't fight the tide of content on LinkedIn. Tyron, thank you very much once again for, for you being here. And before we go, um, can you tell us uh, where can we find you obviously on the LinkedIn and some other places? Yeah, so um, the great thing, if you Google me, I'm the only Tyron Giuliani in the entire world. So that, that's pretty easy to find me. I also um, have a, actually, uh, and it's funny, but I, I have a group on Facebook called the LinkedIn Sales Funnels for Entrepreneurs. And uh, people can check me out there. And then uh, a website, sellingmadesocial.com, should direct you to my uh, masterclass. So that's where you'll be able to find me. Perfect. Thank you very much uh, for your time. And I hope uh, I will welcome you soon again on, on our podcast because uh, we've left a lot of, lot of other topics still unanswered. And I think we could, we could have uh, carried on for many more hours. Cheers. My pleasure. Thank you very much for listening. Please make sure that you subscribe to our LinkedIn Smart Podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcast. We would really appreciate it. Thank you and see you next time. Be LinkedIn Smart. LinkedIn Smart Podcast was brought to you by Square Motion, a video marketing agency in Dubai. Need an engaging LinkedIn video? Go to squaremotion.me.